The following sermon is a recording from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. For more audio and information, please visit HolyCrossTucson.com. Uh, I just want to kind of dive into our topic today. Um, I think it's really important. Um, I know that uh, Pete's been kind of rough on you. I know that um, he's been getting a lot of emails and stuff like that because you're going through the Sermon on the Mount, and that's really hard. That's hard ground to... Uh, to plow, so um, he, he did ask me and, and uh, if I'd come out and give you guys a break. And so um, uh, that's uh, maybe more what I'm here to do than anything else. And, and, and I say all that in jest, of course. But today we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna continue in that series on the Sermon on the Mountain. And, um, and you see in, in, in your bulletin that we're, we're, we're talking about the Lord's Prayer. And what my purpose here today is really more to whet your appetite about prayer and whet your appetite about the Lord's Prayer in particular and what you're saying when you say that prayer and, and the fact that it was modeled by Jesus. It's a prayer that he gave us for a specific purpose. And, um, and, I, and I'm hoping that, it will, that, that it will, I'll be able to help you today to see when you say that prayer to see and feel and hear a closer intimacy with God um, and gain a deep sense of your freedom in Christ. So those are my two goals today. I'm going to see if we can get there from here. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that even though the grass withers and the flower fades, the word of our God endures forever. And so, Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of every heart here today be acceptable in your strength, in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So Pete had told me that you're sort of tackling this whole message on the Sermon on the Mount. And you're in this area right now called the devotions, um, where you deal with charity or giving. I think you've covered, covered that. And then fasting is another form of devotion. And, and you've covered that. And then in prayer... It sort of has two parts. You know, there's a part that says how, how not to pray. And, and uh, he said that that's what you were, you were covering, I think, last week, is uh, that section on how not to pray. And what, what you learn in that section, just briefly to kind of help bring you some memory of that, is um, don't pray for show. You know, God, uh, when you pray for show, there's two audiences. There's, there's God and then whoever you're trying to show off to, whatever that may be. And God will not share his glory with anybody. He wants his glory from you to himself only. And then there's the, the second part of uh, how not to pray really is um, don't, don't pray for much. And, I, and by, by that, what I really mean is um, don't pray for a, a long time in many repetitive incantations and and he probably talked about that a little bit about how the pagans would pray that if they could just pray this prayer enough times then maybe God their God or their gods or whatever would answer that and the word that Jesus Jesus had for that in in the Greek is uh, and it and it sounds uh, a little bit like babble and and that's kind of what uh, some translations actually translate that to be babble but what it really means is empty words. 
Because that's all they are to God. Empty words. So there is this paradox in the praying life. Because it seems like when people are relieved from the necessity of praying much, people experience the freedom to pray more. So in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells his disciples how to pray the right way. And that should be great comfort. Jesus now frees us to pray without concern that we're praying the right way or we're not praying the right way. And without worrying that maybe our requests won't be heard. He releases our hearts from wrong notions and puts on our lips the right petitions to pray. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven. And I'm going to stop there for a minute because I want you to think about our Father. Our Father implies a whole new relationship with God. Jesus gives us the right to call his Father our Father. So that sink in for a second. Wow. He's passing on to us something of his own precious relationship to God. One commentator glorifying in this text says, in this simple text, without much celebration, believers are adopted into the family of God. We are even gently commanded to pray, our Father. Our Father invites us into the intimacy with the Son and with his Father. Our Father means we are adopted as his sons and daughters. The disciple John's prologue in the book of John says this, To all who received Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, prays this, Holy Father, keep my people in your name, which you have given me, <clears throat> that they may be one, even as we are one. <coughs> Excuse me. Even as we are one. And I kind of want you to remember that word as. Because we're going to talk about that word, that mighty little word, in a little bit, in a few, few minutes here. In, as a part of this sermon. But there's more to this Our Father. There's a deeper understanding to it. In Aramaic, the word was Abba. And you hear people say, Abba, Father, 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 Abba. It was used by Jewish children for their earthly father. And where it conveys that authority it also has a warmth and the intimacy of a loving father. It's a word of love and affection. Sounds a little bit 
I like our words, Papa, Dada, Tata, Daddy. Listen to this comment from Dale Bruner's commentary. It's about a book called On the Way to the Fatherless Society that rocked Europe about 15 or 20 years ago, actually. On the Way to the Fatherless Society is where the world is described in which fathers appear in children's life only late at night as ghost figures are in progressive American entertainment as mainly parodies. I mean, seriously, modern family, look at the dads. And for those who have even experienced their fathers as unspeakable horrors, it can be argued that the remedy for a bad father is not the still greater removal of any father figure at all. It is the gift of a finally good father, our father. Finally, a good and gracious father. <coughs> Heidelberg Catechism, which some of you may have read the Westminster, some of you there in training. Uh, Heidelberg's a, a wonderful way to kind of say the same thing, but sometimes their turn of words is, is, um, is, is better. It says, what do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth? And the answer is this. I believe that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who out of nothing created heaven and earth and all that is in them, and who still upholds and governs them by his eternal counsel and providence, is, for the sake of Christ his Son, my God and my Father, in him I trust so completely as to have no doubt that he will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul, and will also turn to my good. Whatever adversity he sends me in this life of sorrow, he's able to do so as Almighty God and willing also as a faithful Father. So God has given us not just the Father, but our Father. There's distinctions carried all the way through the resurrection. Jesus tells Mary Magdalene, Go tell the disciples that I'm ascending to your God and to my God, and to your Father and to my Father. So now, I'm going to take you to where the, where the, the prayer turns. So we're going, to, we're going to jump forward a little bit. And you're going to see up here, um, hopefully, um, to slide before, before that. Pray like this. You must not be like the hypocrites for their little blah, blah, blah. Uh, no, <laughs> see. No, the next one. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's three petitions there. Hallowed be your name, make your name holy. That your kingdom come that your will will be done. On earth, as, there's that word, is it in heaven? 
empowers this. There's some power going on between there. That little as is connecting sometimes. But now we're going to turn to the, our community's needs. Give us this day our daily bread. So the needs that we have for our basic community life, the ability three square meals a day, fellowship, that kind of thing. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. It's our little as over there again. Number two, and lead us not for protection, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So our needs and then our forgiveness and our protection are covered in this section. And I'm going to talk about this and we're going to zero in on the forgiveness part because I think it's the, the, um, the hardest part of the, about the prayer in many ways. So I want you to meet the mighty as. This little word has a story to tell. This little word is mighty because it conveys the relationship between words and phrases. It explains their nature, and it gives them meaning, and it gives them purpose, without which they don't have meaning. Um, <clears throat> You could, do, you could do something like this. You could say in, in the Lord's Prayer, um, your will be done on earth. Your will be done on earth. It is in heaven. What? What's that supposed to mean? Forgive us our debts. We've also forgiven our debtors. What's that? Whereas there's no connection here. There's a power connection here. It's what the mighty as is telling us. It's mighty. Because God is mighty. God's word contains. Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another as... I have loved you. So there you go again. As I have loved you. It's, it's word of love as he loved us. Not just to, to love, but to the extent that he loved us. Without that, there's no understanding that Christ's love for us is the reason and the prime motivator for us to love one another. Without the as, there's no reason to know that God is taking his kingdom of God, his kingdom of heaven, and he is restoring it on this earth, and he's in the process of doing that. So we see who the prime mover is here. And it goes on. As I've loved you, love one another. As you love yourself, love your neighbor. As you are forgiven, forgive. You know what this is saying? You know what it's really saying here? 
is that we can't give grace that we haven't received. We really can't. But, but as Christians, we have received grace. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. The scripture says in Jesus we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the mercies of his grace which he has lavished upon us. With that in mind, I want to look at the difficult prayer verse. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. This implies that we have a huge obligation to forgive, to forgive others. An obligation when they have trespassed or sinned or wronged us in some way. Jesus is saying, I want you to forgive them. It's a hard saying. To the extent that it, you might even think that if a Christian prays and does not forgive someone, someone who has trespassed against them, who has wronged them, they may have brought upon them a curse of sin. This is a hard teaching. The Bible says that in this world there will be tribulation. I imagine everyone in this room has experienced being hurt or betrayed or in some way sinned against. Is there anybody that has not had that happen? And you probably don't need to be here. <clears throat> it's not easy to forgive. It's a hard thing to do. And there's a part of us that wants to get revenge or at least some kind of justice. But guess what? When we hang on to these hurts, they become our identity. And sometimes you can see it to a, to a great extent when you're talking to someone. In it. You ever have somebody that you know? Are you just me? And they give you just a litany of, of all these wrongs that have been done against them? So that's kind of who they are. And you... Jesus doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to be free of that. He wants you to forgive. Now, I'm not saying <clears throat> that you forget, and I'm not saying that you need to get back into a relationship with that person, but you forgive. The Apostle Paul struggled with um, a thorn in the flesh. It could have been this. Could have been a lot of other things. But he gave us a principle here, and the principle in it here is, Jesus came to him and said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I like this... Um, I slipped this in at the last second. Um, June 20th, I don't know if any of you have Paul Tripp's um, 
devotional on, uh, called New Morning Mercies, but I strongly recommend it. Um, he, this book, he just drips with grace. Uh, June 20th, he says, if you're God's, <clears throat> to tell yourself you can't do what you've been called to do is to preach private heresy. You've been enabled by grace. So he gives this little, like, poem. He says, we just never stop talking to ourselves. We never stop preaching some kind of gospel to ourselves. It's a gospel of aloneness, partiality, poverty, inability, of functional hopelessness. Or it's the true gospel of Jesus Christ, a gospel of hope, mercy, forgiveness, rescue, love, transformation, of never being alone, of never being without help, of one who's near, of one who cares, of a beautiful forever, a wash in victory. We're always listening to what we're preaching. What are you preaching? So our comfort here <clears throat> is that our Father, our Father, through Jesus and by the Holy Spirit, will, when we ask, give us strength by His grace that allows us to forgive. He said we need to pray for that. It's important to Him. Then the hurts, betrayals, and bitterness will no longer define us. And we're free. We're free to live an abundant life. Jesus said, I've come in order that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. And part of that is not living with this burden of hurt and betrayal, but forgiving and moving on. Moving on to Christ. You know, I know I'm very weak. And I often cry out to God in my weakness. And I ask my Father to help me to forgive. At Gospel Supplies, we had a preacher's daughter that worked for us for about five years. She was like a daughter to me. And we found out she'd embezzled over $225,000 from us. It's been hard to forgive that. I've never forgotten it. But I feel in my heart I've forgiven her. And it took a long time. It took a while. Ask your father. Ask our father. That's another part of this hour in the prayer. It's all of us. It's our father. And he'll be faithful to help you to forgive. And then your story will be all about God's glory. It won't be about your hurts or your betrayals. It'll be about the glory of God and not your own. Oh, that we would exercise the grace that the Father has lavished upon us. So I want to close with a little, little illustration. 
on September 11, 2001. Nineteen men filled with hate and armed with box cutters changed the world. Yet as Christians, we are called to believe that love is more powerful than hate. So did they really change the world? Jesus taught us to love our enemies and forgive those who sin against us. And he modeled it in his life. Persecuted by the world, he was beaten and forced to carry his own cross to Calvary. Crucified, lifted up, when they set the cross in the stone, it jerked and separated his shoulder. Well, at least it did Jim Caviezel's, who played Jesus in the movie. They did, they, he said they did the scene six times, and, and the last five times they did it, his shoulder had already been separated from the first time they did it. It was excruciating pain. He also talked about how they put a metal sheet over his back and I, when they did the whipping and the scourging. The guy missed. And it was so painful he couldn't hardly stand it. And put a lash uh, uh, in his side. Jesus paid more than that. He cries out, Father, forgive them for their sins. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. As Christians, that's the day we believe the world really changed. Was it the 19 men armed with box cutters? Or the 12 men armed with the love of our Father and forgiveness? On the evening of the resurrection... Jesus appeared to his disciples who were huddled together in the upper room. He showed them his hands and his side. And he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. He said, he breathed upon him. <sighs> Received the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, he said. You are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. A loving and forgiving Christian. This is how we are called to change the world. Let's pray. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. without the added ending. Pray it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.